if your student is going to live on campus, they will need twin extra long sheets. The first thing people get wrong. The first thing people get freaked out about. The majority of students who enroll in college don't graduate in four years. Is my kid going to make friends? Are they going to fit in? Are they going to find their people at college? Are they going to fail a class? Between Beth and I, we have worked in higher education for 50 years. We really think that there's some opportunity for some great dialogue. From the Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's Twin XL. Now here's your hosts, Laura DeVoe and Beth Grampetro. I've always thought that when I write my memoir, I would like the working title to be, and then Benji got hit by a car. <laughs> and, and it's because of this incident Aww. or this thing that happened. And I'm not going to say which school I was at, and I'm not going to say anything more about Benjamin other than uh, he had an overbearing parent. And Benji did not want to be in college at all. He wanted a profession that he didn't need a college degree for. And he felt that going to college was not his thing. And he was just going to get away from his parents, though, because his parents were both let's just say overbearing. They were a lot. They were a lot. <laughs> yes. Okay. And uh, Benji decided, well, I'm going to not go to class all semester. And it was coming up on the end of the semester and the jig was up. Like, I mean, the grades were going to go home and he, his family was going to know he had all F's. And so he had just come out of a meeting with his advisor who said, look, you should probably take a semester off, go home and decide if you really want to be here. And he says, well, I, what do I have to do? And the advisor said, you just got to get through your finals and get your grades and that's it. And so he decided at that point as a car was driving. Now I will say the car was driving very slowly. It was on a campus. The car had just gone over a speed bump. It may, I could have been outpacing the car at my high speed, slow moving Laura DeVoe sprint. Okay. And Benji just kind of fell into the car and was like, Oh, I've been hit by a car. And then oh, no. it turned into, I can't take my exams. I am hurt. Ouch. Ouch. Now, the moral of the story is, if you are causing so much stress to your child that the best option for them at that point is to throw themselves in front of a moving vehicle to avoid taking their final exams, therefore extending their time in college. All right. You may be parenting wrong. Okay. And lucky for you, we're here to help. <laughs> Happy 2020, <Good> everybody. <laughs> um, that was Laura DeVoe. And yes. And, and I and I am Beth Green Petro. And this is Twin XL. And we are back. It's a new, new year. year. And we haven't been here since December. <clears throat> we haven't, which was Dave looks awesome, by the way. Dave has a new hairdo. He does. It's good. Which is to say I have hair now. Mm. Yeah, Usually it's, good. it's uh Mostly I like it. gone, yes. <laughs> I like but it. thank you, I appreciate it. No problem. But yeah, like um, 50 years ago in December yes. was the last time we were here. Um, and I'm excited to be back Yes, because uh, today we're talking about, <laughs> I, I hesitate to say this is a favorite topic because that feels like I'm assigning good feelings to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that I would say You're that. You're passionate about but it. But I am passionate about it. And I, I think it's very important and I think it is it is of the moment. Yes. 
So we are going to be talking today about what a lot of news outlets are referring to as a mental health crisis on college campuses. Yep. Picture me doing air quotes yes. because <laughs> I think th this is just like a life rule for me is anytime I see the news calling something a crisis, yeah. I I raise an eyebrow mm -hmm. and think about whether or not that word, that word does a lot of work. Right. Let's just say. It does. But there are definitely some issues um, about mental health on college campuses that are very real mm -hmm. that we want to talk about. And while our initial story was a little bit amusing, you know, there's also the undertone there of like, we do have students who get to right. a point where they feel that their, le their only choice is something that is self-harm or worse correct and so and to be very clear the car was barely moving <laughs> and yes. so it was, was a unique situation it was a unique situation but i want to i want to put it in this parentheses of you don't do this if everything's great at home yeah no you don't and you don't do this if you're feeling good about yourself and about what your options are and so in your moments of desperation in your moments of difficulty you know he made that decision yes so so if you have been paying attention to news about colleges over the past year, probably yep. you've seen at least one story or heard at least one story about mental health on college campuses that, you know, student mental health issues are worse, that students are waiting a really long time for appointments, that the resources on campus can't keep up. You've heard about student suicides. There are mm -hmm. a lot of stories. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going <laughs> to claim that we're going to like demystify this entire no. thing in the next, <laughs> however long it takes. No. But, um, we are going to talk a little bit about the the issue um, and then talk a bit about what students can expect on most campuses. And then, as always, wrap up with talking about what you as the parent can do um, to help your students through these kinds of situations. Yep. So, as is my way, I'm going to start with some data. Data. I love it. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to start with uh, a favorite source because it's very relevant, the National College Health Assessment. Um, the NCHA I've talked about on other episodes is a national survey that many schools participate in. And I'm going to talk about numbers from the spring 2019 survey, which uh, collected data from 98 schools and just under 68,000 students. So it's a lot of people. Yep. And uh, these are some highlights mental health wise. Um, students are asked in the past 12 months what issues impacted your academics. So meaning like they got a lower grade on something, they got a lower grade in a class, they received an incomplete, they dropped a class. 34% said stress, 28% said anxiety, and 20% said depression. Mm -hmm. um, also in the year before they took the survey, 56% said that things felt hopeless, 87% felt overwhelmed by all they had to do, 66% felt very lonely, another 66% felt very overwhelming anxiety, and 45% felt so depressed it was too difficult to function. These are not small numbers. No, <laughs> these are not small numbers at all. And if I was a parent listening to this, I would be literally going through all these check boxes in my head of what are things my kid has been saying? What are some things that my kid has been doing? And trying to evaluate, it, would they be in one of these percentages for one of these issues? And I will say those numbers are like the people that reported feeling that at any time in the course of the year. Mm -hmm. um, if you went to, they, they also break down questions as to like how often and people, fewer people are feeling this more often. Right. Um, but it's come up for these folks at least once, large portions of them at least once in a year. Also, uh, the Center for Collegiate Mental Health in 2018 um, said nearly a quarter of students listed anxiety as their primary concern and one in five listed depression. 
And then last year in 2019, the World Health Organization that said that at least a third of first-year students it surveyed in eight countries, so including America, but seven other countries too, um, said they need mental health services. So this is an international issue as mm-hmm. well. Um, I think it's very tempting, and I think a lot of people, both in the media and just in conversations you might be having as well, it's really tempting for people to blame these things on one issue. Those kids are soft. These kids are soft. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow, we jumped right to my favorite one, a.k.a. my least favorite one. (laughs) But, yes, there is a lot of talk about this generation being soft, which I also want to take a moment to point out that a generation that gets a lot of shit for being soft is the millennials. Mm -hmm. These college kids are not millennials. No. They are Generation Z. Z. The millennials are adults. They're out of college. Yes. They're busy killing golf yeah. and avocados or whatever, yeah. so leave them alone. They're, both, um, they're, they're apparently they're killing uh, Dunkin' Donuts. That's oh, the that's the new thing. That's the Dunkin' a Donuts sad. is not. <laughs> I feel like Dunkin' will be okay. Dunkin' will be fine. I really feel like they will. Um, so people can blame that though. They there's a lot of talk of this, this generation's soft. It's the helicopter parenting. It's smartphones. Mm-hmm. It's politics. It's the, you know, I said in my notes here, the political climate and the actual climate. Yeah. Um, the financial outlook, you know, for them when they graduate, the student loan crisis, all of, all of these things. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's not wrong to say some of these things are certainly a factor. Yes. Like when I graduated college, I was not concerned about finding a job. I was lucky not to be as concerned about my student loans. And I wasn't worried that the world was on fire, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively. So they do have a lot of things. Um, I also like to point out when, whenever people, sometimes my own colleagues are like, why are, why are they like this? I'll say to them, like, when were they born? Right. Anyone know what years? It was, it was right after 9-11. Well, in, in yeah, and around. Right, in and yeah. around 9-11. So like the, the oldest college students of the traditionally aged college students were probably born in like 99, yep. 98, 99. Mm-hmm. So like these kids have grown up in a world where everything was fear. Yeah. Security, theater, war, right. terrorists. Right. And that informs their lives. That informs how, how their parents parented them. Right. My, um, my daughter this week had uh, an, oppor- an opportunity to talk to some folks at school about stress and about what's going on. And they premised it, which I thought was interesting, saying, what if your favorite activity was all of a sudden illegal? You couldn't do it anymore. We're taking it away. And and my kid being the way my kid is like, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would you take swimming away? <laughs> like, <laughs> but I thought it was a very... Uh, um, severe way to kind of frame it for them Mm -hmm. and when we were kind of processing through she was like she basically said mom the world is on fire if swimming was taken away i'd miss it but there's other things we got to deal with here Mm. and when you've got a 13 year old kid who's literally got that as their frame of mind you know i'd rather her come home in tears saying they're going to take swimming away you know not the world is on fire. So if that's how they're living, mm-hmm. absolutely. This is, they're in a constant state of stress yes. and you know, whatever is on the news, whatever. I intentionally don't listen to podcasts in the morning when my daughter is, is getting ready for school because I don't want her hearing what's happening. The news. Yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> it's just, it's too depressing and it's too sad. And it's not that I'm trying to protect her from it. She knows what's happening politically, but I don't want that to be the start of her day, you know? Right. So, and I think also, you know, in in line with the whole, well, these kids are soft and, you know, I dealt with it 
the, the I dealt with it people. Yeah. The like, we rode in the flatbed of the truck, truck. and yeah. ate all the nuts and yeah. just whatever. <laughs> and, and I never and there wore was a asbestos helmet. Yeah. in my house and I loved it, right? I really think, <laughs> I know, it's asbestos is fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the good old days that people pine for, people still had the problems they have yes, today. Right. Albeit they were not worried about climate change back then either, but like, People did have allergies and were depressed and did, you know, like all those things happened. They just were never dealt with. They just weren't dealt with and people died. How many people did we know (laughs) that had, you know, I think I saw this as a meme somewhere as a, you know, when did people get so soft that peanut allergies were a thing that were never a thing when I was a kid? Because yeah, the kids were because kids were dying, dying. and the, and yeah. the person <laughs> in the meme said it's called unknown circumstances, you know, right. like unknown reasons. Well, and there's yeah. a survivorship bias, which is a real thing. <clears throat> of right. well, I may have struggled with these mental health things, but at, when I was a kid, and this is this is a fake person, not me. Yeah, you know, my my family didn't we didn't believe in that stuff, right? And so I just dealt, and I'm fine. Mm-hmm is very much a survivorship bias thing of like, mm-hmm. well, you think you're fine. Right. <laughs> like you have nothing else to go on and you're still here. So and that's, you're quote unquote And fine. I think it was like, you know, as parents need to really look at who they are and what generation they were in. You know, I'm a Gen, Gen Xer and a lot of the people listening are going to be Gen Xers. And we were not a generation that going to the counselor was something that was mm-hmm. celebrated, nor was it something that was cool. And, um, it was definitely, you know, I mean, I remember when I was in college, the counseling center on campus was basically hidden behind a door that had no name on it. And, <laughs> yep. and, and I'm serious. Like you would go to the health center and everyone knows, well, if you went to the health center, you went down to those one side, that's where the nurses and stuff are. But the other door that's not labeled, that's the counseling center. If you need mental health stuff, you go in there. I'm like, and I think about it now and I go, well, that just really is indicative of how people felt about mental health. It's that it's it was a shame to mm-hmm. have to go and you only went if there was something truly messed up about you. You're like James and Livingston Taylor who are like locked up in some kind of Berkshire <laughs> kind of like let's get ourselves together type of thing. It was like but there it was like, well they're they're famous and famous people need that. Famous you know? people have famous people problems. That's right, exactly. You know that's actually, that's a very good segue. Although I do want to say one more quick thing before we take a break that um, there are also specific issues or more severe issues faced by first gen students, students of yes. color, LGBTQ students, and students from low income families that make the mental health issues harder to manage in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a really recent study like last year from BU School of Public Health and Fenway Health about the mental health issues of LGBTQ mm-hmm. students and or young adults and how much more severe yeah. their mental health needs are than yeah. the average, you know, cisgender hetero student. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something I think there's also folks and also disabled students. Um, and some of them would not have been in college back no. in the day. No. Right. So it's just, it's an in- entirely different landscape that's, that schools are trying to respond to. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, we'll take a little break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about what colleges are doing. Twin XL is supported by Sunstein, Kahn, Murphy & Timbers, a boutique law firm specializing in intellectual property. Sunstein's attorneys are passionate representatives of their clients' ideas, technologies, and brands. And Sunstein's broad range of expertise in the intellectual property field, including patent and trademark litigation, sets it apart from the competition. Visit Sunstein at sunsteinlaw.com. That's S-U-N-S-T-E-I-N-Law.com. 
contact Sunstein to see how your intellectual property can be winning intellectual property. Okay. Welcome back, everyone. Woo! So now that I've gotten you in a super hopeful and optimistic mood by talking about how depressed and anxious all the college students are, um, let's talk about what colleges are doing about it. Yes. Um, I'm going to just give a quick kind of rundown of what most campuses have available, and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the things you've heard in the news about how those resources are not meeting needs, yep. and and maybe talk a little bit about how, like, I wouldn't say accurate or not accurate that is, but like the the sort of context that you need to understand that. Um, so most campuses have some kind of clinical counseling staff. Um, they might have a counseling center like Laura talked about. Luckily these days, uh, the counseling center is at least at most places not hidden behind a, a right. blank door. Um, it is often in the same building as the health center, although not always. Mm-hmm. Um, some places that are very small um, might have an agreement with a provider in the community yep. if they don't have space on their campus for their own center. Um, varying levels of credentials for these clinicians. So not everyone is a, a you know, PsyD or a PhD psychologist. You might have licensed mental health counselors. You might have social workers. But these are people that are qualified to do one-on-one talk therapy. Yes. At least. Yes. Um, and there's usually at least one person available in some capacity to prescribe medication and manage medication. Yep. At a lot of schools, that's usually a person that visits campus once a week, twice a week, because medication management is a 15-minute, mm-hmm. hey, Laura, how are your meds? Any yeah. side effects? Is right. this working out for you? Kind of conversation. Um, <clears throat> these folks also do what's called case management. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes at really big schools, like I know Boston University has a dedicated case manager yeah. position, or maybe two by now, because yeah. it's a very big school. Um, but that is the person, or sometimes the clinician does it themselves. They might connect the student to other resources. They might coordinate care with someone off campus if they need more long-term therapy, or if they need medication, or if they right. need to like go to a different intensive program if they have a pretty serious mental health issue. Mm-hmm. Most of these places, though, are doing short-term care. Right. Um, the sort of uh, the mantra on most campuses is short-term solution-focused therapy. Yep. Which is a long way of saying that it's not meant to go on forever, Mm-mm. and it's meant to give the student skills to cope with whatever their particular issue is. Um, because while depression and anxiety are definitely the top reasons on pretty much every campus, a lot of the stuff is kind of time-limited issues. Mm-hmm. It's homesickness. It's my parents at home are getting divorced. My boyfriend or girlfriend or partner broke up with me. Maybe a trauma. A trauma. Yeah. Um, and so usually there, um, there will be a limited number of sessions, and then the student might be referred off campus if mm-hmm. they need longer term or more frequent therapy. Right, and that's what the case manager is helpful for. Mm-hmm. They not only set up relationships with some of these off-campus providers, but they work in concert with the, with the person who's providing the mental health um, visits with the student to say, okay, what's a good match for this kid, and where could we be sending them? And then there's usually also prevention and skill building programming going on on campus. And that sometimes is done by the mental health uh, clinical staff, uh, sometimes by health promotion and wellness staff um, or others. There are some campuses where other people kind of jump in to fill in this gap. Um, that can be a lot of different things. It can be uh, workshops. Mm-hmm. It can be mindfulness, uh, like specifically mindfulness-based stress reduction groups. It can be meditation. It can be teaching coping skills, suicide prevention training, yoga, 
uh, peer support programs. I would even count alcohol and drug education in this because those programs usually talk to students about how it's not great to self-medicate and how alcohol and other drugs can interact with mental illness um, and with medication if you're on it. So all of these things are happening on most campuses um, to varying degrees of frequency because unfortunately, and this kind of segues into like, are these, are schools doing a good job of this? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, when colleges are getting bad press about mental health issues, the response is usually hire more counselors. Right. It's not always put more money toward prevention and skill building and teaching coping skills, which admittedly for some students is not what is needed. Right. It's not enough if someone is dealing with severe clinical depression to just be like, go to a meditation group for six weeks. You know, mm-hmm. that might be a nice tool for them to have, but they do still need one-on-one therapy. Um, the interesting challenge of like talking about our schools failing at this, um, there's a lot of talk in the news about like ratios on campuses. How many, how many clinicians to, to number of students? Um, it's a data point, but I don't think it's a super useful one. No. Because everybody's going to say they need what they need when they need it. Yes. And, you know, when you talk to, when I look at schools, when I look at some of my clients at different institutions now, and when I talk to people about the challenges that they're having on their campus, it's one thing comes up all the time, which is students want counseling 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they want it when they want it. Mm -hmm. And anything that we provide, even if we hired two or three more counselors, would not meet that need. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it is optics are very important and how people feel is very important and you cannot tell and i say this all the time you can't tell people how to feel Mm -hmm. and if someone is is feeling that their counseling center is not meeting their need it's not meeting their need Mm -hmm. you know that's how they're feeling um no matter what the institution might be putting forward and the the trouble is that the age group of the traditionally aged college student is also an age when first of all you've got college (laughs) you've got the stress of like i may be away from home for the first time i'm learning this new schedule. I'm learning this new group of people, these Mm -hmm. new skills. Mm -hmm. You've got um, all the stuff out in the world that we already talked about. Then you've got the fact that for certain mental illnesses, 18 to 25 is when it emerges. Like if someone is going to have a pretty serious diagnosis, like say schizophrenia, which is quite rare, Mm -hmm. but the first time that someone experiences psychosis is going to probably be at college. Mm -hmm. Um, Not because of college necessarily directly, but this is when it happens. So you have that. You have the fact that unlike the blank door where the counseling center used to be hidden, um, colleges and sort of society in general, I think, has been doing a pretty good job of of breaking down stigma around seeking help for mental mm-hmm. health issues. There's a lot of talk now about, you know, we have a lot of really well-known people out there um, talking about it. pro athletes, I think, are a wonderful example of this because I think it's particularly difficult still for men sometimes to talk about struggling with depression. Um, and there's been a lot of, a, a lot of barriers broken down by professional athletes mm-hmm. being like, yeah, I know I'm like, I play in the NFL and I'm supposed to be tough, but I have depression. And this is like, I talked to someone about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Prince Harry also, talked about Prince Harry yeah. talked about it. Yeah. He had a big thing about it. I hope he's happy in Canada. I bet he's happy Good in luck, Canada. Buddy. I'd be um, happy in Canada. Same. <laughs> Justin Trudeau, are you listening? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> He's not probably, no. um, but maybe uh, you never know. Well, his kids are in college, but, <laughs> but um, and there's and there's also I I chuckle when I think about the the lack of stigma now because I used to work at an institution that was quite small and 
we had like two counselors on campus and the students, not all of them, there were some that were still very private about being mm -hmm. in counseling, but there were others that like, I would be walking to lunch with my colleague who was one of the counselors and students would just walk up to her and be like, hi, like insert name here. Yeah. Hey, I need another, I need another appointment because, and they would just like, we'd be on a sidewalk in Boston and they'd just be like, my roommate is blah, 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 and I need to talk about, and she would be like, great, can you great, email great. me? Yeah, right, exactly. Like, I am super glad you right. feel comfortable, but right. like everyone can hear you. Yeah, right. Um, We've talked about this before. Is yes. that, you know, when people introduce themselves and it's, you know, and they're like, my name is Laura DeVoe and I, and I, and they list all yeah. the medication they're, they're on. like, and I'm a Virgo. Virgo. Right. Yes. I am. A, yeah. And it's, and we've it's, gone to the other side of the rainbow on this. We have you know? a little bit. <laughs> and I, and I yeah. think it's, I think it's like mostly really wonderful that people are just right. like, look, this is what's going on with me. Take it or leave right. it. Right. But I think until the rest of the world catches up and is cool with that level yeah. of sharing, it's it can still yeah. have place. There are places where it's risky. There's time and place, and it's there is not to place. say you should ever <laughs> feel that you don't you don't have value and that these things are things you should be af afraid of sharing and that sort of thing. It it just may not be the thing you say to the person at the lunch counter when it's, you're like, so how I haven't met you before. Hi, I'm Laura. I like grilled cheese sandwich. And by the way. Yeah, you know, I'm depressed. I'm depressed. But it's it's part of a, my other favorite topic, <clears throat> which is boundaries. But that's a whole other. That's another. Oh, um, that's a whole, that's other, a whole episode. other episode. Write that down. Boundaries. Um, but <laughs> we it, should get a jingle for boundaries. <laughs> but I think that you know the problem of deciding are colleges doing this right or not, and mm -hmm. are there some that are doing it poorly? Yes, there yes. absolutely yes. are. But I think the problem of deciding, you know, on mass here, like, is everyone just sucking Screwing at this? It up, yeah. It's really hard to know what every individual campus's needs are. The utilization of counseling services on some campuses is very high mm -hmm. as opposed to others. And you never know, like, is that just because they've done a great job of breaking down stigma and everyone feels really comfortable? Mm -hmm. Or is everyone there really in need? Right. Because the other thing that happens when you get rid of stigma is you have a lot of the what's called the worried well in mm -hmm. counseling. Yep. And I don't say that to say, like, if you're not seriously sad, you shouldn't go to therapy. Because I think there's um, there's a lot of value to a working. Up. Getting a tune-up. Yeah, yeah, to, like, working on your stuff <clears throat> with someone, even if you are not, quote-unquote, like, super mentally ill. Mm -hmm. But it, it's a different, like, it messes with the utilization and sort of who who well, is getting served. It changes the numbers. Like, yes. it literally changes the numbers. So if you say to a campus that, you know, on any given year, let's say there was a trauma on campus. I mean, mm -hmm. I've, I've unfortunately been on a campus where a student has died. And it was a, tr it was a traumatic, awful event. And the numbers on the counseling side that semester were through the roof. Well, of course they're going to be through the roof because everybody knew this kid. He died. Um, he had a, 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 a health issue, died of this health issue. And people just, you know, they, it was traumatic mm -hmm. and scary. And even for kids who didn't know him, they it was a small enough campus that people just felt like, this is this is scary. How could someone my own age die? And they have to work through this. And that's and that's the sad part. I think the other piece of this before the break that we have to keep in mind is that if you're if you're doing good work and the students are telling each other, "Hey, I feel better because I'm going to see the counselor," then that's you're then gonna that's get more you're people. doing you're going to get more people. That's yeah. a good thing, you know. And it, another issue that I'll bring up before we take a break, really quick. I was reading the Chronicle of Higher Ed today because I'm. Such a good little student affairs person. Yeah. And there was an article about how American University in D.C. is like facing some backlash because 
they did something that is optically probably not a good choice, but that I totally understand. Right. Which is that their students were saying, our access to mental health care on this campus is terrible. There are all these long waits, whatever. And the counseling center was like, here's the thing, friends. 20% of you no show for your appointment. Oh. Oh, snap. So. Nice. And and the Chronicle <laughs> article did do a good job of saying. My like, hairstyle is charges if well, you don't show Well, that's the thing. Up. Yeah. There was a really good conversation in this article about how because counseling on most campuses is included in a student yeah. fee it's and an it's not an out-of-pocket cost. And students go. are learning to manage oh. See what happens when you give stuff away for free? (laughs) No one shows up. No one shows up. So there are schools that have started charging no-show fees, or which is tricky. There's there's privacy issues. There's all kinds of stuff that makes it tricky for campuses to do that. Big snaps. Are they charging for that? Are they thinking about it? Or are they just guilting people? We're just gonna guilt people. But they mention another school in the article that is already charging a no-show fee. But um it's it's probably, as I said, it was not the best optics because now the students are feeling you know, now you're just you're shaming us for not showing up for things when we need help. But Now's I think it's time to cut into the shame, shame, <laughs> shame, 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 shame. But yeah. it's I think it's a good point, though, about how, like, if the schedule is full mm-hmm. and you are holding a time for someone and yes. they don't show up, that time could have been used for someone in right. need. And now you wonder why schools have to put emrs into play and text messaging you know kind of don't forget you've got this we confirm you're coming yes yes or no so there's there's a lot of things schools can do to try to mitigate that issue but i think it's it's one of the many things that makes this um a way more complicated question than just like well is six full-time counselors enough for this many thousands Mm -hmm. of students yep that's a that's a that's a data point you got to be asking how many no-shows you get yes so Let's take one more break and then we're going to get to the what the heck do you do about all this? Shame. Boundaries. 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 Hi, everybody. I'm Chami DePerel. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you, whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional. You should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head. Literally, pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. Go to pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to the great shows they've already produced. The Irreverent Bitchless Bride podcast. The hilarious show known as Shawshanked. And the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. You go to the box, you know, uh, two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know. And then you get free. Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I've actually seen a Johnstown Chiefs hockey game. That's wild. In Johnstown, which I'll so, talk about when we're done recording. So for the non-fans of old hockey movies, um, remember from Slapshot Shot, that yes. if you get put in the box, you feel shame. shame. Um, <laughs> I just I had shame in my head before the break. <laughs> Dave helped me. So, we're so um, 
much like I was saying before the break about how some of the efforts on campus are like things where students are taught coping skills and strategies, mm-hmm. we're going to do this last segment is about strategies for you. Yes. Because um, it would be extremely unfair for us to say all this depressing Mm-mm. stuff and then just be like, good luck. Um, <laughs> that, that's not right. We're tapping out. Bye. Yeah. yeah. See ya. Good luck with it. Um, so the first thing I want to say really quick, though, is that if your student, we've said this in other episodes before, and I just want to say it again. If your student already has a diagnosis. Yes. Or if something is going on that, like, uh, someone in the family passed away right before school started, they're already dealing with a trauma or a particular issue, that's when it's a good idea to encourage them or even facilitate them meeting with someone at the counseling center, like, before the year starts or before the semester starts get that relationship going, even if they decide that they're like, I feel kind of okay and I don't want to go regularly. Mm -hmm. Getting that relationship started right away is something that it's just good to have set up in the background. Um, And if they're on medication, please do make sure they can pick it up regularly at school. Do Mm -hmm. not mail it to them. No. And do not have it mailed to the mail room on campus. I want to say this we just we just need to say this every episode. Every episode. <laughs> the mailroom is not always open to get your packages. And so if it if the person needs medication, yeah, and it's Sunday and the mailroom is closed, they're not getting it. So send it to the local pharmacy. It's easy to do, especially if you use Walgreens or CVS or any of the other like national mm-hmm. chains. It's simple it's so simple this is the kind of stuff that is a really good thing to do if you know it's only it's only january but before you know it it'll be summer people Mm -hmm. will be getting ready for a new school year perhaps their first year at college and this is the stuff to set up before they go absolutely um let's say though that your student calls you and they're like i am feeling upset about x thing i tried to get a an appointment at the counseling center and they told me i have to wait three weeks um i will say though that many schools don't have a wait that long no this is not a thing that never happens, but there are plenty of schools who are getting people in way sooner than that. In some case, the same day or the same week. But I would say the first question to ask is, what are they experiencing? Because mm-hmm. if the symptoms they're experiencing are anything that you think puts their safety at risk, if mm-hmm. they are self-injuring, if they are talking about suicide, they should not have to wait. No. And that leads to the next question, which is when they called or did whatever they had to do to get that appointment, Were they clear and honest about their symptoms? Mm -hmm. I don't say this to imply that like students are just out here lying. It's not about that. It's that sometimes these things are hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. And understandably, they can feel really weird about calling a person or going into the front desk at the counseling center. And it's some stranger they don't know. And they have to come out and say, I am really struggling and I am cutting myself. Like that's hard to say anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not even saying it seriously and I didn't finish the sentence. It's hard to say. (laughs) So I think it's important to ask them and encourage like, hey, when you called for the appointment, and this is true of medical stuff too, because this used to come up at one of the colleges where I worked where students would call up and look for a medical appointment and not come out and be like, look, these are my symptoms. Right. And then be mad when we didn't have an appointment because they didn't come out and say, I'm experiencing something that needs to be seen today. Right. It's really scratchy. Yeah. Like I am itching. Um, itching. (laughs) So that space. Yes. yes. Um, So making sure, you know, compassionately, but saying to them, probing a little bit and just being like, well, honey, when you called or went in and asked for an appointment, did you tell them that you are, you know, fear, you fear that you're going to hurt yourself because that's an important thing to share. Um, if that's not the case, though, if they really do have to wait, um, this is a great time for you to go into coaching mode and talk to them about how they can t- take care of themselves and how they can cope while they're waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I am going to just kind of list some things off here because they are pretty good ways to just like make it through the day. Mm-hmm. Cause that's all you have to do sometimes is like one day at a time. Um, encourage them and set up a plan with them. Like have them write it down or you write it down. Like mm-hmm. someone make this a real thing. Um, encourage them to stick to a routine. Tell them like you need to get out of bed every day. You need to take a shower mm-hmm. and you need to eat. Like yep. these are things you need to do. Brush your teeth. Um, eat regularly. Um, encourage them to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Have them talk to you. Maybe this is a time when if you know they're it's a Monday and they can't get seen until next Monday, you say, all right, for the next week, we're going to set up a time that you and I are going to talk for five minutes every day mm-hmm. just to check in. Yep. Um, encourage them to find something to do that's relaxing for them. Um, they're your kid. You probably know what they like to do. Um, maybe they enjoy knitting. Maybe they like painting. Maybe they like to read. Maybe they like playing video games, whatever it is. Um, distractions are really something that can just help pass the time and kind of keep their mind off of what's going on. Um, sleep, 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 sleep. Mm. Everyone needs sleep. And if um, you haven't listened to our sleep hygiene episode, please go which back. I believe is episode three, <laughs> go back and listen. Sleeping is so important. Mm. Um, encourage mm. them to do some physical activity they enjoy. doesn't have to be going to the gym. It no. can be taking a walk, go outside, get some fresh air. Um, advise them against drinking or using drugs as a way to self-medicate. And yeah. I don't mean if they are prescribed medication, I would add to this list, like stay, keep it up. Stay on your meds. T- yep. Take the, take the meds you're supposed to take, but don't, don't overdo it. Don't, underdo don't overdo it. it. Don't underdo it. Whatever it tells you to do, you do. Um, in addition to distraction of like, what are your hobbies? What are the fun things to do? Like find something funny. And yeah. then, and you know, they may be in a place where that's not something they want to do, but I can remember, when I was in college and going through a breakup and it was sad, like 20 year old me, um, I watched a ton of whose line is it anyway? Yeah. I don't know. Like something about it was just like, Oh, I'm not going to think about how sad I am for the next 25 minutes because these guys are silly. There's a lot of stand up comedy on Netflix. There's Find so it. much. Yeah. There's so much more comedy now than when I was a youth. Yes. You have yes. lots of resources. Yes. Um, and you don't have to do a three drink minimum no. at the bar. You can do it for free you can in just your room. Sit it yeah. in, in your bedroom and do this. Um, Maybe have them keep a journal of their thoughts, yep. write things down. And the last one, I'm going to say this last because um, I think it's the most important, is encourage them to think about what has helped them before in similar situations. Mm-hmm. I think this is really important because it encourages them to remember that they already have some skills and strengths and that they have survived things before. Yes. And maybe they haven't. Like maybe whatever is they're dealing with is new to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your first breakup is rough. And how you frame that, though, <laughs> is important. So, like, say to them, what is it? What re, re, I like how you said this. Recall what has helped you before. Mm-hmm. When you say to somebody, look, you survived this before. That's a different way to say it. Yep. Okay. You've done You've done worse. You've dealt with worse. Like, don't minimize no. it. Don't minimize but what say, they're going through. But say, like, you know, you've, you've had some challenges, challenges or you've had some rough times before. What did you do last time? Right. Did you, did we talk more often? Did we go do fun things together? Are there friends you can do fun things with? You know, like mm-hmm. just, re- just remind them, like you have some skills already Yes. that you can call upon. And it's both practical in that you're reminding them there are things you can do, but it's also really fortifying for their mm-hmm. self-esteem to be reminded like, oh yeah, I do have skills. Like right. I do know how to do this. Um, and I think that's really important. And, uh, yeah. Well, I want to also, I want to throw something out there for people who might be listening. I know that there are some people who are turning this uh, podcast on now because their kid has now been accepted to college. Um, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to figure it out. Well, you know, I need to do some prepping prior to the, you know, the kid actually getting there. So, 
um, while you're preparing to get out there and go to your parent orientation or get on that Facebook group of other parents, um, make sure you know, you know, what it is that the institutions you're looking at actually have in terms of resources. What's their regular wait time? What are the types of cases? Ask to see their annual report. Say, what, what are you dealing with on your campus? What's going on? Um, if you have a kid who might be first gen, um, has very specific needs, um, you, Beth brought up the LGBTQ um, challenges. These are things where you say, okay, I realize that your services may not provide. You need to really understand something that what Beth put out there before about this being temporary, uh, short-term care is absolutely spot on. And if your child requires something a bit more detailed, okay, something a bit more intensive, start to do some homework. Start to work with your current therapist Mm because if your child is currently in a therapy, say, all right, well, they're going to go to Philadelphia for college. Um, My child is trans and is going to need a specific type of counseling what help me try to do some fact finding is what's nearby my kid's school or my child has a very complex eating disorder doing well right now but i want to make sure that there's a specialist nearby i want to do some homework because that doesn't mean that you don't use the services on campus in fact you should use the services on campus and you should make sure that the counseling center on the campus says you say, you know what, I've done some fact-finding, we've done some research, our current therapist thinks that this person off campus is good, we want our child to use you, but we also want this, what's the best way for this to get set up? Have those conversations, but also, just like we've talked in other episodes, the child needs to be a self-advocate. The child needs to know that going to counseling is something that they that they have in their own power, that's they're in their own ability to do this they need to feel empowered to go but they also need to feel empowered to say okay maybe this isn't meeting my needs i need to go see something else off campus Mm -hmm. Um, so those are some things to think about to prepare as you're sending your kid uh, off to school and just never expect that the college will be all things to all people no not especially in counseling that's not real (laughs) but i will say this while the institution may not be all things to all people when Mm -hmm. it comes to mental health People on campus care about your kid. Absolutely. And if they say to your kid, we can't provide you the services that you need, it's not a blow off. It's not them saying to them, no, we don't care about you. We do care about you. We want to make sure you're getting the best care. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and if you happen to be listening to this episode and you have not decided what school your kid's going to go to, if your child is someone who needs counseling, and the type of counseling they need is not provided on campus and is not available in the area, this may not be a good match for your kid. Mm-hmm. And, and I hate to break it to you that way. This is a real talk, like, you know, situation. But <laughs> if, you, if you can't get to good therapy on public transportation or by Uber, you may not want to go to that institution. All right? And I hate to break it to you. <laughs> now... There is a lot going on now with um, video chat Mm -hmm. and telephone. Um, We haven't talked about that at all in this episode. You may find that your institution is adding that. And a lot of schools are adding video and and telephone to help fill in 
in those times where Beth brought up earlier how sometimes the institution will say it's a two-week wait, and they may say, okay, you can talk to this person via video through a service that we are contracting with. Sometimes that's a good kind of bridge. So if you hear about this, don't be shocked. It is becoming much, it's more and more and more pervasive. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it actually fits some needs that institutions have to have to start to fill. Absolutely. So uh, before I do the sort of housekeeping outro stuff, I do want to make a recommendation. Um, WGBH, which is the Boston, one of the Boston area NPR stations, um, had a series in the fall called Stressed and Depressed on Campus, which is a four-part series that provides a really good overview. It was excellent. Of stuff we just talked about. We will link to it in the show notes. I really, really recommend listening to it um, because it, it kind of does the soup to nuts of the of the mental health issues on campus. Yes. So that's that. We did it. We wow. did it. Go us. Um, hooray. So this is, has been TwinXL. Um, you can find us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at TwinXLPod. You can email us at TwinXLPod at Gmail. You can support us at Patreon.com slash TwinXLPodcast. Um, and... We want to thank our producer, Dave Yaz, as always. And his new haircut. Yay. My pleasure. <laughs> haircut and myself will be back for the next episode. Yeah. Hooray! <laughs>